Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield, and joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. What's up, Damon? Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina this week will be Michael Swaim. A mini scoop. Welcome <laughs> back to the show, Michael Swaim. Thank you. Honored to be. Big shoes to fill. Big square uh, to fill. <laughs> a rectangle, maybe. Yeah. Uh, great show for you this week. We're going to talk about uh, the hottest new eBay shop on the block. We're going to talk about what we've been playing, which is, for some of us, still Yakuza Like a Dragon, but not what we're going to talk about this week, I promise. But first, uh, we've uh, this week gotten, if not confirmation, the strongest confirmation yet we've received about this Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake. Apparently in development from Porthouse uh, for Port Studio Aspire. This comes from Bloomberg reporter Jason Trier. Um, Mm -hmm. He confirmed in an interview recently, Aspire is working on this remake, not a a port, not a straight port, a remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I, for one, would welcome this port uh, or this remake. I haven't played it since the original. I played it on OG Xbox way back in the day. Let's begin with Michael Swain. Did you, are you are you a fan of this game? Would you play it again? Uh, same situation as you, Damon. I remember playing it 
It's it's crazy how time gets away from you. It's like when I yeah. think of a movie that I'm like, I haven't seen that movie since theaters, which was 18 years ago. <laughs> um, and I feel that way about KOTOR. Looking at the graphics, I'm even like, oh, yeah, I guess they were that clunky. But gosh, <laughs> what a great game. I definitely had yeah. my moment with it. I think it's one like uh, the most recent God of War where it felt so epic honestly i really only played it though once at the time mm -hmm. it has certainly been long enough for a replay i i would have taken a jade empire remake so kotor <laughs> definitely <laughs> wasn't it at a time where you were only contrasting it with the existing star wars which was out which was bad movies too so it was like there's actually a good star wars out here like people you pay attention to this Th that seemed to be a big part of it yeah, I remember. I was comparing it to the Star Wars card game at that time in my life. That's how long ago it was. But uh, I feel like I, I'm honestly more of a Kotor guy than a Mass Effect guy. And we got, mm. of course, wow. the announcement of a very definitive Mass Effect like yeah. collection, which is going to be great. Everyone should get everything they want. But I'm waiting for the Kotor remake. I'm really, really excited. There's um, there's no way this is what Kotor looked like. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> it's not possible, right? I know this is what it's looked like because when I tried to play it, it was squarely in the late 360 era, and I was like, "This game is way too clunky and ugly to play. I cannot play it." And I don't even know Mass Effect, you know? this footage that we're looking at here. I don't even know if it's the PC version or the Xbox version, but you know, if it's if it would have been the Xbox version, it would probably be slightly worse than this, right? Good. I, I'm sure this is the Xbox version. It just looks like that grainy, crappy Xbox. Yeah, we're getting we got confirmation. We've got confirmation. This is the Xbox version. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm excited to play this again, though, especially if they're sort of uh, modernizing it in some ways. Uh, I, I, Aspire has been doing a lot of these Star Wars ports. They did um, Pod Racer and they did, just did Republic Commando. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they did the Star Wars Jedi game. If, which which oh, ones yeah. were they that just came out? Was it Dark Forces? I don't even remember. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it was I, I, uh, the other one, the 3D, the polygonal yeah. ones. Yeah. I can't remember. We yeah. had it on 20 Questions. Jedi Academy. Jedi um, Academy. It, I only want to play remakes in the style of Final Fantasy VII now. Episodic, ah, completely well. different. You've been spoiled. Oh, I, I don't mean, want it different, but I do want it remade to that degree. You want it different? Yeah. Different plot points? Well, well I, I, I've never really played the first one, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. Yeah. But I, I appreciate the, the Final Fantasy VII explosion, yeah. and I think that would be fun to do with any Star Wars universe. I mean, it's a, it's a great candidate to get that kind of treatment with a big, epic, sweeping story. Um, each each installment could be... It? I'm just saying each installment oh. could be a different planet. Like I'm starting to come around on this idea. Oh no. Yeah. Well, we'll get it sooner if that's, that happens. <laughs> I'm not generally in favor of like stretched out. Like I didn't like final fantasy seven remake for that reason. I thought it was too stretched out and too bloated, but like KOTOR feels like a really, really good, like a good treatment to like really blow it out and do like the triple A thing. But like, that's not what Aspire is, right? That's not what that studio yeah. is and what they're about. So I don't think we should expect that kind of thing. So they're going to take what we just saw, which is like a very square-shouldered uh, fellow, and, and round those shoulders just a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just put a little bit of edge on those polygons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And make it widescreen. <laughs> Why do people want this? Um, <laughs> I think people would unanimously want like a KOTOR 3 more, but we'll take yeah. what we can get, just given the time gulf between. I also feel like we're kind of in a renaissance for Star Wars gaming, uh, mm -hmm. diversity of storytelling, and mm -hmm. Darth Revan deserves his Ooh. spot. Uh, it, you know, this got ported to iPad 
I wonder yeah, how that for That's is. how I played it. That's how I played KOTOR. Was oh, on the iPad. Wow. That's wow. cool. That was the way you experienced it. Yeah. Was it a good, a good port? I mean, it, it, uh, it seemed to be popular at the time. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, and, and it was actually already up-resed. So, like, there's a version yeah. of a game that... What? Does. Um, yeah, but that's not that's uncommon, crazy. right? Like, yeah, that's, that's I how, like, this is what, like, remakes and ports, That it's really, really confusing now, because they run the gamut from, like, it's the exact same game, but it's the same game, but up to, like, mm. semi-remade to, like, you know, at the extreme other end is Final sure. Fantasy, and, like, you mm-hmm. know, we don't, we don't know what KOTOR is going to be, but yeah, an up version of it already exists, um, mm-hmm. and that maybe like, I, I don't know if that's what's on PC, but, like, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um... This guy has two lightsabers. Yeah, they're probably that just seems dangerous. And just running around with them lit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the reason this exists probably is to prime the pump for Kotor three, right? Like, there's... well, I mean, I would love that, but like, when would Bioware ever be able to get to that? With like, they're working on Dragon Age. They supposedly have another new Mass Effect thing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, what will be the what will be even the use? Of the do you think there'll be a Bioware logo in this at all? Like I just can't. I just don't know. Like if you take every part of you know it's that that uh, the, the comparison to the Japanese temple, right? If you take every part of it and replace it, does Blizzard still have a, a claim to that yeah. game? Yeah, I mean it, it's still a Bioware like designed and written game, right? Characters created by Bioware, and presumably EA would publish it, right? No, I think that's the whole idea that this isn't being handled by this, EA. So Aspire is going with somebody else. Probably well, Luke, Lucas. Aspire has been doing these other ports, and we know that you know EA is losing exclusivity in the near future. So oh. to a Bioware game. Oh, wait, I assume that I assume, Star Wars. Am I mistaken? I, I, I don't know. Sorry. I my. Oh, you're right. You're right. That, so I'm sorry. Considering this is a Bioware game, that make that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I don't know where the rights for Kotor lie. I assumed EA still had them, and I assumed that they hadn't reverted back to you know Lucas Games or something Mm -hmm. of that nature. But like rights can also get really, really weird. Where like the game code rights can lie with one studio, but then like the Mm -hmm. name rights can lie with another studio. So it's like one group sometimes has the right to like re-release a game, but another group has the rights to make a sequel. Stuff's the worst, man. And there's the analogous issue of canon, which by the time, like, since KOTOR originally came out, the canon is under the purview of a whole different group of people. So uh, if you're the type right. of fan who cares about that, I wonder if they'll even attempt to weave it into the Neo that's Star a, Wars canon or they'll just let it be a little pocket universe or what? That's a really great point where, like, the, no no Star Wars stories are non-canon anymore. I guess another mm-hmm. way to phrase it is that they're all canon. Like all the comics and all the games, all that stuff is equally canonical. And so that really makes something. But they're already doing reissues. But that makes KOTOR 3 really difficult because, like, that Mm -hmm. would have to be canonical to meet with the new, you know, requirements for Star Wars storytelling. But then the first two games are not in the canon. But the ones we just talked about, like the Jedi whatever, is that just got remade and everything. Like they don't care about those. Yeah, sorry, I was I was leaping New ahead stuff, to like right? assuming they're making a Kotor. If 3, it's a Kotor three, line. yeah. Oh, oh, a Kotor three, yeah, right, because that would be from scratch. Oh my gosh, yeah. There have been maybe rumors? that's why they can't do it. I mean, there's High Republic for them to work in now. It's a yeah. it's a giant you know wedge of the universe that they want to push stuff in. So you know, yeah, that's different than Old Republic. I think it's like by 800 years or something like that. There's some kind of time difference. Details. Nobody knows. Oh no, Nobody no, no sorry. It's it's like 10,000 versus a thousand years. Yeah, that's what it is. It's such a pet peeve of mine when like Skyrim does this too. Where like things are hundreds or thousands of years <laughs> apart. And I'm like, but it's the same. 
you have the same technology. Like, <laughs> like humans were in like caves. Lord of the Rings is like that. Yeah, I know. Why don't they have guns yet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Game of Thrones is like that too. It's just like when the, the idea is that some, yeah, that that's a, a, a civilization gets stuck in medieval, basically, or mm-hmm. or Middle Ages, or you know, before that. It's really funny. And in the case of Star Wars, they get to the point where they're fighting with lasers, and they're still like, you know what? I'm gonna make a sword out of this. I'm just mm-hmm. really more comfortable with that. Level or a of slow gun. <laughs> yeah. Like, can we make bullets slower and less deadly? I mean, honestly, we need that here on Earth, but uh, it seems strange in the uh, intergalactic universe. Yeah, I like the idea that there's one person in Star Wars that just has a gun gun that shoots bullets. Yeah, is that just, just that owns, my question? Totally successful. Yeah, he just owns everybody. It's like it goes right through the lightsaber beam. <laughs> that was going to be my serious question. Are there real guns in Star Wars that just use bullets? Is that yes. Has that been established? Are you, You're referring to Rogue One, right? Do they have guns? No, I'm asking. A no, he has a big chain thing, but I still think it shoots lasers. It does shoot, still shoots lasers? So yeah. we've never seen a bullet bullet in this. I mean, I don't. I'm not a full authority, well, but I don't. Well, I let don't me throw this one. out there. They do uh, put. They do have um, projectile bombs because the beginning of um, yeah the most recent movie has yeah. Rose well, dropping out all those like spherical bombs. Yeah. And Chewie's yeah, bowcaster. And they're but they're, they're dropping. Chewie's bowcaster. Yeah, they're also dropping in zero laser. gravity. They're dropping in zero gravity, so I don't know. So that I'm normally okay with with uh, being angry about that, but they are above a planet. This is how how do we know how strong gravity is on that planet? Well, I don't know. Maybe each bomb has uh, uh, like a little rocket yeah, on yeah. it that's shooting yeah, it down. Exactly. I actually think it looks like, like gravity. I thought, or maybe they're magnetic. As I think yeah. the canonical answer. They just come back and stick all over the ship. Oh no! We release them. These are the answers that Aspire owes us. That's what I want. Yes. <laughs> the answers we aspire to. Uh, Swain mentioned Jade Empire. I've actually never played that game. Uh, is is Swain the only one who has? Justin, have you played it? Yeah. Well, I owned it. Like you know, I I, I yeah, I've played it. I, I'm not like a huge guy, Jade Empire guy. I just wonder is is your is your uh, desire for a remake genuine? Do you think that would actually hold up if it were remade today? I have no idea, having not played it. Oh and gosh, you you would love it, Damon. Yeah, even I think, today. I, I'm I'm genuinely asking. Well, it's, it has giant enemy frogs. It definitely got me interested because of the combination of it didn't reinvent the Kotor wheel. Uh, yeah. You know, that got uh, sort of uh, smoothed over and became the heart of the Mass Effect uh, gameplay loop as well. But I was super in love with that that new style of gameplay that had just sort of barraged my consciousness and so i was down for like whatever bioware was going to do that worked that way and i really enjoyed my time with jade empire but i think i'm a sucker for any for originality uh you know i just love that they took a completely new and obviously a lot of it has to do with rights issues they want an ip that they completely own and unfortunately it didn't take off for them but i do love whenever a company takes a swing at introducing us to a new fantasy world and i think i might be in the minority here but i would always take a new sci-fi trilogy epic you know 200 dollar thing over a continuation of a trilogy from 30 years ago i'd like to see what new people come up with good shop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule your tasty proteins are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. 
They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless 10-ounce ribeye steaks. I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick-cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Jade Empire, famously a 9.9 for my GM. I think wow. it, okay, that's that's a it little high. Quite but a ten. <laughs> it was a better game than certainly the like. Given how quickly we've forgotten, and it, it's sort of not a game that gets brought into conversation much. Mm. It deserves more than that. It was a good game, and yes, there are giant frogs you can kill. Always a plus. I think mm-hmm. I think nine point nine is a more ins- insulting score than like nine point five, even though yeah. it's higher. It's I'm, rude. Yeah, it's a rude so score too. to give something. <laughs> Damon, were you at IGN? I think that was before your time. Right? That was maybe like a year or two before me. Yeah, yeah. Was that on just so that was just on Xbox, right? And yeah. so yeah. Uh, yeah, we would have been able to play it on the 360, but I never gave that one a go. Yeah, I didn't either. Is it back I wonder what the backwards compatibility situation is with Jade Empire. I was wondering that too. Yeah, digitally, like I have no idea. Nobody knows. Yeah, there's no way to know. Moving on. Everybody's favorite, well, maybe not everybody's favorite, right, Sam? Everybody's favorite Akihabara uh, classic gaming store has just finally opened its own eBay mm-hmm. shop. This is significant because until also now... Also in Nagoya, which is the only one I've been to. Okay. Until now, you had to travel to Tokyo, to Akihabara, mm-hmm. to go to this amazing multi-level 
classic gaming shop that's just filled from every floor is filled from floor to ceiling with both Japanese and Western classic games for everything yeah. obscure and going way back to through NES, Famicom, Mega Drive, uh, PC Engine, all that stuff. It, and now they have their own eBay store, which super, we're looking super at. Super Potato. Super Potato. Sorry if I didn't even say the actual name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now um, they have their own eBay store where anything in the shop can be uh, obtained with an additional $20 shipping charge. Which, but that's, yeah. that's not really yeah. that bad. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I, I like how it's standardized, just like this is you're going to be your flat rate. You know yep. what it's going to cost. You could probably buy multiple products and bundle them too. I think it's so cool. I think, I don't know if you know this, Damon, but it's actually become in vogue to like hate on Super Potato. Like they've gone too mainstream mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for like the yeah. retro game collectors. Um, you know, they're, they're considered kind of overpriced and more touristy, but um, I can't speak to that. All I know is that when I've been browsing this eBay shop, like I think it seems super, super rad. And like the prices aren't cheap, but like you said, they also have. Uh, a selection that like you don't have to go hunting for it it's all just right there it's awesome it's incredible yeah and And video game archival i feel like is just going to become more and more important in the coming decades like we are getting to a place that legitimately didn't used to exist where there's games forgotten to time and the code is just completely uh cordoned off or buttoned off until someone decides to do a remake uh so it's really a great service i think however we get it Mm -hmm. They have a um, so so uh, it, it's the mu- the storefront is part museum and that's because mm. they're kind of like a game jail like they, they price things so high yeah. that they know um, but in, in you know kind of also trend setting in that way but like you go there and you get to gawk at so much and you yeah. get to see so much that like that's a reason to go there so like if you're going there and buying a keychain like that's what they want right but they also have like things that are totally reasonable you wouldn't believe how cheap they are you can go upstairs in the nagoya one for example and there's a giant strategy guide section Mm -hmm. with all japanese strategy guides with amazing you know either bootleg knockoff art which i love or you know original art you've never seen because there was never like a u.s super metroid you know uh uh guide that has this art in it like stuff like that and that'll be like you know 10 bucks like it's incredible like you you can absolutely go there and pick up stuff that that uh, will make you very happy uh and also you can go and look at things that you'll never probably own. i buy stuff uh for like i bought um the um the hudson shot watch from there which is beloved in the office it's like a little nes controller where you uh it measures how fast you can mash a button like i've been wanting one of those for my entire adult life uh they are non-existent they're so they don't you can't even show up on ebay and uh, you walk into Super Potato and they had like multiple options, different graded quality of them, mm-hmm. like based on like finger junk that a kid left on them. Like, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, people people think that everything is online now in 2021 and it isn't. Yeah. Like Sam's right. That's like, right. There, there yeah. is knockoff art and official art. And like there is stuff, <laughs> video game ephemera that uh, that you can't find on any, but, you know, on Super, Super Mario Broth on Tumblr, like that just mm. isn't accessible except on, you know, the third floor of (laughs) used (laughs) Japanese game shops. Um, And it is true that their prices are higher, but, like, come on. Like, you're paying $18 instead of, like, $12 that you would at maybe a little bit less well-known shop. Um, So, But you would say that. You clearly sold all the furniture in your room just to buy games (laughs) from Super Potato. (laughs) There's there's furniture Um, on the other side of my camera, I promise. There's there's just none behind me. Has Uh, anyone uh, made a Super Potato purchase from the eBay store yet? 
not yet. So I, I looked through them all, and I wanted to back up Justin real quick. As soon as I posted Excited Leia, I finally got to go to, first of all, a weird, uh, different super potato than normally is talked about. Mm-hmm. Um I got pounced on on Twitter. So people were like, this is this is not real. This is not a real game store in Japan. You should go to blah 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 blah. This like whole list of thing. It's like I I don't know what to say. Like that's not the point. Like I've been a record collector my entire life. I go to record. All I do when I go to another city is hunt down all the record stores, go to them, and I know what bad record stores are like. And there and there's record jails just like this. But those are fun to go to. Those are like fun to see. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what they have on their wall here. Like, it's incredible. Or they have, you know, just amazing stuff. And you're not going to buy anything. But there's a purpose for that. And that, that's what Super Potato is. Plus, this other added benefit. Like, sure, there's all these flea markets in Japan that you should go to if you're a quote unquote real collector. More power to you. Don't brag about those. <laughs> you're going to ruin Be it. Be quiet. <laughs> that, that's great. That's how I know how stupid and fake this trend is of, of clowning on super potato is because I would never tell you where the Bay area flea markets are ever. <laughs> that will never come out on game scoop ever. I spend my entire, I wake up at 5am and go digging for records and video games. I don't see any of you be idiots there. None. I'm not talking to the game scoop audience. I'm talking to the people that have come down to me. None of them are there because they don't know squat. They don't know anything. They're just repeating something else that somebody said about Super Potato. Well, and we one of the interesting things is an undercurrent even in, you know, Japanese, you know, game collecting culture of like Super Potato uh, broke through in the West. That's why we are talking about it. It's really, really popular for Westerners. And so there uh, is an anger at, you know, tourists come in and everything they buy leaves the country forever, never to return. So that's that's a Japan. That's a trend in records, too. And they're, so mad, I, about, I, and they're I, mad about that. Yeah, and so I'll tell you what. Go to a record store in Japan. Guess what they have there? <laughs> Amazing American records. Yeah. And in total record jail. Just never will leave that shop. Like, I, I, I collect late 70s punk records. You go there, it's like, unbel- they have more San Francisco and L.A. punk bands from 76 to 1980 than San Francisco and L.A. does. Easy. Easy. And just Osaka alone. It's incredible. That's just what happens. That's that's international. Uh, 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 that's globalization for you. <laughs> that's 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 where part part of the super potato hate comes from is that they think it's contributing to the drain of like mm-hmm. you know every game that leaves the country then raises the price of any uh, you know Japanese citizen that then wants to try to track down and buy a copy of that yeah. game. Yeah. Yep, that's you know, a real thing. And you know what? 20 years ago, it had a lot more sympathy. If you haven't built up your collection now, it is really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. But that's also the nature of collecting. Every year, it's going to get harder until something breaks, and then people don't care, and everybody dies that collect the Super Nintendo <laughs> games, and you can just snatch them all up. Well, and at least this eBay store You, you want doo-wop records right, right now? Trust me, all the doo-wop fans are dead. You can grab those. <laughs> You big into waltz? We got lots of waltz. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at least this, at least the eBay store removes the the barrier of having to travel internationally. So I understand the drain, but I don't know. I do feel like you can't resist the globalization of video games, our media. Ultimately, even though I agree that there's a value to the physical manifestation, uh, and obviously a lot of people get a lot of joy out of building their collection like ultimately i'm someone who on the end of the spectrum where i mainly care that the data is accessible to people 50 100 years from now i just want there to be like the game on file it gives me so much anxiety thinking of the work of a team of people that came together and made this great thing to like fade away and completely disappear which i know will inevitably happen over the course of thousands and thousands of years but we got to hold on you got to fight it (laughs) 
Yeah, it feels. You know, the PCBs and cartridges have a shelf life too. Like they're they're there's oh. something that's going to give in those, and of course, batteries are the mm. first thing to go. That's yeah, true. we um the battery the battery in my Super Nintendo cart doesn't work. I I plugged in Super uh, Metroid. Yeah, sorry, Super Metroid. Um, mm. and my saves were gone, which you know I have the game on eShop. And Man, so not a big deal. Yeah, like, that stinks. Yeah, it was a bummer. Uh, just some highlights from the Super Potato eBay shop, just as I glance at it here. They have Demon's Blazon, which is apparently the Super Famicom version of Demon's Crest, with box yeah. and manual for $340.94. And then there's a little bit of catering to US rarity in there. I saw yeah. like games that only came out in Japan in like nice condition they have in there. Castlevania is all over it. You notice that? Um, I don't see that, but I do see Contra, Contra Spirits, which oh, I, uh, I don't even know. Is that Contra 3? No, it's Contra Force, uh, which is, a, yeah, I guess Contra 3. But yeah, that okay. game is a rarer NES cartridge than it is in Japan. So I think that's an interesting thing to put in front of people. It's like, but this is, this, is for the, this is for the Super Famicom. So I oh, think yeah, it's that's Contra right. 3. That's right, yeah. It's um, Contra Spirits. It's $131. Yeah, and if you sort, you can go up to the top and sort by price. Yeah, that's what I did. And yeah, do highest down, and then you'll see the interesting. Th- that's why. That's why I noticed Castlevania because there's a bunch of different graded Castlevania oh, ones that are in the, like the three hundred. Come on, Willie Beamish! Come on, Willie Beamish! <laughs> highest um, Magical Poppin, just a loose cartridge for the Super Famicom mm-hmm. game. Magical Poppin, eight hundred and fifty-eight dollars. Woo! You are gonna but get sh- poppins. Shipping's only twenty bucks. <laughs> of course, you can save on that shipping fee if you buy a flight to Tokyo. Right. That's how. That's what I say when I go overseas to, uh, uh, you know, anybody that cares. I'm like, well, you know, I'm saving on shipping. Uh, fill, fill the suitcase. Plus, you Stand get the back. experience. I would totally throw on an Oculus if I if they had some sort of virtual. I want to do the museum part that you were talking about. That sounds amazing. Like this you said, good. it's just about observing. Sam, yeah. do, do, record stores are great for that. Sam, do you own a Famicom version of Ca- uh, Castlevania? Or no, Akumajo, I don't have a lot Dracula? of Famicom games. I have like. Yeah, the only loo- Konami one I could think of is Gradius, but they have really cool packaging. A loose cart will cost you $329. Oh. Yeah, I wonder if that's because Castlevania, the first Castlevania didn't take off there. I don't have the background on that. I thought that was surprising. I mean, there's that there's the Castlevania game that didn't come out here, which I'd be more interested in, Kid Dracula. Kid Dracula. Like, that's what I would get if I went to Super Potato, you know? Yeah. But that one's in the the, Dra- the Castlevania collection. Well, yes, for, it for, is now. For what it's worth, for what it's worth. Which I reviewed, and I think I said I didn't like it anyway, but I still want the cartridge. I don't care. That's what I want. You gave it a 9.9, the most insulting score possible. <laughs> <laughs> Even a 9.8 sounds better than that, right? Yeah. I do. For Jade, I would say a 9.9, it feels like you're saying, look, we admit this game is good, but we don't care. That's the point <laughs> one. <laughs> Check out that Star Wars up there. That's the LJN one. Yeah. But, you know, Japan has their own Star Wars, which has the famous, you know, Darth Vader turns into different things like, like a, a scorpion. scorpion thing. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that would be the one I'd <laughs> grab there. I think a sh- is a shark one of them? Maybe not. Maybe. So I remember the scorpion. And then that Game Boy box is fantastic. All the all when you go to Super Potato, you also notice things that you wouldn't maybe notice from online. Like all game boxes there are much smaller than here. Here they'd be like, look at this giant consumer product you're getting. It's giant. And it's like this huge styrofoam case inside with your NES in it. But there, like everything was like form fit to like be yeah. almost the size of the Famicom or the, or the Super Nintendo. It's, or the cartridge. Yeah, it's really cool. This is anyway. making me realize that when I was this age, I had very bad taste in games because I'm like nostalgic <laughs> for things like James Pond and <laughs> yeah. waiting for yeah. bad games to come up. That comes up a lot in this show. James yeah. Pond? Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad I feel No, it's a bad game. Very frustrating. I feel <laughs> confident 
You know, of course, this is the only video game podcast, but I doubt there's any podcast uh, that mentions James Pond more than this one does. <laughs> that- Check out Super Pang. It's not yeah. Super Pong. Super no. Pang. I like Pang. Oh, I see Wrecking Crew. Yeah, cool. and look how much better the art is. It looks. It's yeah, based it's- on like more like Game and Watchy art. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can check out the Super Potato Shop on eBay. And for all you Super Potato haters, that's called gatekeeping, and it's illegal. <laughs> Moving on to what we're playing, Sam, I, uh, I'll let you go first. I know there was a new game that was, a, I believe, oh, yeah. it, was, it was a pair recommendation. Yeah, pair sent this over to me. And um, I don't know if Michael or Justin, if you tried it yet, but it's the There Is No Game here. Yeah, like, dude. No oh, it's, it's so there good. Is no game. Do you love it? I know you do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. right I don't or even really want to. Ex- I think we can explain a little bit of what it is, especially yeah. since we're about to show it. But basically, it's like it's a like a postmodern, yep. like kind of like uh, you know t- twist on um, games and 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 their splash screens and stuff like that. And you basically are, are breaking a game with a weird voice talking to you the whole time. And it's got like, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Justin. It's kind of like a strong bad vibes voice. Yeah, the is that voice... what's happening with it? <laughs> well, I I never made that connection before, but yeah, just the silly, yeah, yes, yeah. And I see this is this is I don't even want to see all this right now. And like every scene is a different take on a different game, and then um, but then it's all flipped and weird. And I mean, you're mm-hmm. seeing it flash by you here really mm-hmm. fast. Like yeah. so I just saw a Papers Please reference that makes yep. me yeah. Happy. There's a great wow. frame to it. So the frame to it is like you know. Uh, I'm not going to let you into this game, which is all referential to WarioWare, which hmm. which I'll give Destin credit to pointing out to me because I haven't got I've gotten to a few of these micro games, but that also that's kind of like Wario's jam. He's like, you know, in in those games, he's like, oh, let's just give him the, as many terrible games as possible. There's like there's a frame to WarioWare, you know, and so this game is kind of building up a similar, um, you know, there's somebody behind it situation. It's, it's super cool. It's out on Switch. I played it on um, uh, Itchio, like it was a PC game first. Oh, cool! Wow. And yeah. um, and it's just a series of you know little micro games and mini games that are all crazy and um, uh, like take something and then flip it on its head in a way that you don't expect, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really so. Great. I mean, anything like what the golf? Yeah. Okay. It's similar vibes to What the Golf. Um, it's mm-hmm. a lot more indie and weird than What the Golf. Yeah. What the Golf is already pretty weird, so interesting. Yeah. Okay. I love this, though. There's the renaissance of, like, play, you know, I already mentioned postmodernism, but, like, kind of a play on, um, you know, you know the, the structure of games and stuff. Th- this one is specifically also feels like it's small, like it was designed by either a small team or a single person. And I'll look into that, but like it has that, that indie vibe, which is what games haven't really got to like that kind of auteur feel, which is like, Hey, this might've been made by you know a very small team, but it feels really, really cool and smart. It's a, it's an example of, Ooh, I'll have to think of some other ones, but it's an example of uh, like kids that grew up playing Zelda and Metroid made Zelda likes and Metroid likes. Right. And now mm-hmm. like that's, those kids are now in their twenties, but now we're like sort of extending one step beyond that of like, you know, artists like making weird, <laughs> making weird art that relies on previous knowledge of, you know, games that came out in the eighties and nineties. The, the weirdest game I played that's likened to this that we haven't mentioned yet would be like her story. It's like, it's, it's such an interesting way to play a game that it's like barely classifiable as, you know, a genre or a type of game or anything like that. It's just like you're playing it, but it's about very different activities than a normal game would entail. 
right, I've added I've added it to my list of games I want to play. That puts it alongside Loop Hero, Deathloop, uh, Final Fantasy 16, Star what? Wars: The Skywalker Saga, uh, and Disco Elysium, which I could cross off this list now because I started that last night. What's Final, Final Fantasy 16? Yeah, remember that was announced. But you're just including games that are coming out in like 18 months. <laughs> like yeah, well, nothing else you're looking forward to. to. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a list of games I want to play. But I think here's what tickles me about that. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that list is never going to remind you. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. Until just now, Final Fantasy XVI wasn't on my mind, but now it is. I was like, oh, yeah. What about any Zelda game? Yeah. Yeah, any future Zelda game. You should right, add that to your list. Except for Skyward Sword. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can mention Disco Elysium since uh, I just did. Um, I, I've been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I still love it, but I forced myself to play something else last night so that I would have something new to talk about. <laughs> so my first impression of this uh, it is an interesting game. To, to, to be fair, though, I was really in the mood to play Yakuza. I really wanted to play that, so it's this, that's not <laughs> Disco Elysium's fault. But I went into this knowing nothing except that it's an RPG and it's supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. That's all that I know about it. Has anyone else played it? I played. Okay. I, I played probably five hours of it. Okay. Oh, I just played through it in its entirety twice. Wow. Okay. Over the course of the last couple of weeks. Okay. So <laughs> I played. I played two or three hours last night, and it, I, I, like I said, I was having a hard time getting into it, but I forced myself. I said, "I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it 45 minutes." And then the 45 minutes went by, and I was still playing, and I was enjoying it. So it definitely drew me in and won me over. But. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, again, I went into it completely blind, almost. At the, as far as I can tell, you start, you begin in the ether. You're in nothingness, whatever you want to call it, and you get the option to either come back to life or become alive. And you're put into the body of someone who you don't know and you don't know who you are, but you find out you're a, a police officer and you're in a strange place investigating a murder. So you walk around, talk to people, and investigate things. Uh, and the the writing is. A, of a particular style that it seems to, this is maybe one thing that I had a hard time with. It seems you have dialogue options and most of the options are based on assuming maybe, or encouraging you, uh, assuming that you have some sense of self-loathing, or at least that that's sort of like the role that you're supposed to play. You hate yourself. You hate your appearance. You're disgusted by uh, everything that you do. And I have a hard time relating (laughs) to that. There's usually that one option that's a little bit more positive, a little bit more self-affirming, and I usually tried to go with that one. Oh, um, you're going to get the achievement boring cop at the end. Well, I guess punishes okay, maybe. you for that. <laughs> boring maybe. cop. Uh, but it, it's there's enough like humor. It's like really well written and, and, and witty, so that like kept me around, and I'm intrigued by the story and the mystery. It, the world is a. It's like not on planet Earth, I don't think. So there's like a whole like lexicon of like countries and cities and wars that have happened that you have to learn. And I, I don't know that it needs that extra level of, uh, of world building. Anyway, I'm, like I said, only a couple hours into it, maybe I'll feel differently later. I eventually got into a conversation with a mean kid. And apparently this is the thing. I lost the conversation. The kid made me feel so bad about myself that I lost the game and got a game over screen. That's very Yakuza. Kuna owns you, pig. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where I stopped. Uh, so I, gotta, I guess I got to go back and try that conversation again. Anyway, that's where I'm at with Disco Elysium. Interesting game. I think I'll, I think I'll end up liking it. Is there, based on that, Justin Swain, any sort of comments you want to make? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 
I could do a whole hour on Disco Elysium and I won't, but I'll just tell a quick, I have a, like a, a happy story and a sad story. I think Disco Elysium is one of my favorite experiences I've had in a long, long time. Um, the writing's right up my alley. It's sort of a mashup between, mm, I don't know, acid rock and beat poetry and hard-boiled detective noir. And uh, I love games about making fraught decisions and you don't, you feel bad as you make the decision. You don't know how it's going to affect the outcome. I love that. So I love Disco Elysium. But the port, I just want to warn people out there that this is the first time I've really gotten granular about checking patch notes. And hmm. I was like on the edge of my seat waiting for each patch to come out because the console port had so many game breaking bugs that uh, my girlfriend came out into the living room one night and found me sitting quietly, like looking disturbed in the in a dark room. And she's like, what's wrong? And she's not a gamer, so it's hard to explain. But I feel like people here will understand. I was like, it's as if I just watched Casablanca and it was 20 hours long, but at the end, an usher just pushed me out of the theater. Like I was <laughs> unable to get to the end and I craved the uh, cathartic resolution of, of the story because of a game breaking bug. Yeah, I, I ended up Googling oh, and finding out, no, no, you cannot finish the game if you can't click on this thing and it's unclickable um, and they're oh, working on it. Oh man. Really terrible. So I have actually, played through it twice recently because mm -hmm. I played the whole thing from the beginning after I heard that a patch fixed the bug and the ending was worth it but barely because again I had to just chug through but at least I knew exactly what to do to Kuno which is knock him out Damon you gotta okay. just knock that kid out alright good to know no. yeah, don't let that kid push you around Damon you gotta push mean him kid. around don't listen to him he is a really mean. mean kid yeah, I mean, the game really scratches a similar itch of Planescape Torment for me, mm. where um, uh, the dialogue goes on so much longer and has so much more depth than you think it's going to. These are not superficial interactions that you're mm -hmm. having with these NPCs in the world. Like, it's really philosophical and interesting, and you have meaningful choices with, like, what you want to contribute to the conversation. And they just they just go on and on and on. Like, it, it really is borderline visual novel in that way. Like, mm -hmm. this is a game where you're reading a story, and that's the primary way that you're interacting with the game. Except that I think they added – I'm playing the director's cut. I think they added even more – voice recording so you're not you're you don't have to read it is what i'm saying i think it's every i think every line is voice in the game mm. yeah i don't know what's added in the new version torment tides of numenera it's... also excellent yeah. i don't think it can run on switch right <laughs> but uh i, I, I like know. it's it, that's it, that type of heavy dialogue thing i'm more and more like if i'm gonna read this like a novel i'd really like to sit down and read it like a novel instead of sitting in front of my tv yeah i wonder oh, about the, the art so beautiful yeah, that's the problem, right? That's why the Switch is so difficult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the game is also yeah. really... The screen is very information-dense, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure how well I, that would translate to like a smaller Switch screen. Um, okay, anyway, Michael Swain. Right, have you been playing... or did? Is this what you have been playing, or is there something more recent? Uh, no, I did. I had to break myself of the Disco Elysium habit because I'm still wondering what would have happened if I had been Apocalypse Cop. But I was like, two times is enough. I'll play it in ten years or whatever. Um, so I'm weaning myself off with Divinity 2 Original Sin, which Ooh. has been recommended to me, of course, for so many years, and I'm finally getting around to it. And An awesome uh, game. Yeah. The systems are so labyrinthine that at first, I've started it a few times, and I've always been like, this feels too dry and technical with all the surfaces. Oh no, I'm oiled and cursed and <laughs> decaying, and I can get yeah. rid of some of the, there's like, you'll have eight statuses on you at any given time. Oh God. But once you 
do imbibe the systems. Uh, they're they're well put together if if you're not averse to like inventory management and all the little fiddly bits in an expansive RPG. It's a good one. It's very solid. Yeah. Yeah. Divinity Two is a little too. That's like on paper couldn't be more of a Justin game, but the combats took too long. It's like hmm. sometimes I'm in, I'm in one fight for like forty minutes and I'm like I can't you know I, I and end if up you off it. If you barely lose a fight in that game, oh. you really feel set back. It is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I can't play the XCOM likes or XCOM. is because those battles are so long that I, I get so impatient if I lose that, you know, it's just like Mario versus Rabbids even. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can't do this 45-minute battle again. It's just too annoying. I should play. I really loved the, the role-playing in Divinity, and maybe that would be a game that I should just play through on easy to not have to stress too much about That's, it. Yeah, maybe that would be the key for that, huh? Mm-hmm. And you never played the first one? You just jumped it to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just heard that that was the one to hop to in terms of the underlying do. mechanics. Yeah. I haven't cool. had any trouble. Like, there's nothing I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is also very good. So, if you'd like to. Awesome. Worth, worth checking out the first one as well. Uh, Justin, what have you been playing? Yeah, so I still play Yakuza every night. After cool. so after fifty hours, I beat zero, and after twenty five wow. hours, I beat I beat one. And now um, I didn't want to get burnt out on them um, because they are fairly samey, as good as they are. And so I took a couple nights off and played some different stuff. I played uh, East Shade, which is um, hmm. a game where you wander around and paint paintings. It's a little bit like Skyrim. Where you're wandering around a fantasy world, talking to people and helping people, but instead of fighting mud crabs, then you just paint, you paint a painting and give it to someone. Um, cool. But lovely. So I, yeah, I was trying to take time off of Yakuza, but the whole time, Damon, I was the same as you. I'm like, hmm. I wish I was just starting Kiwami too. So, um, <laughs> so that's what I did. I jumped back in, and now I'm ten hours into the remake of the second game, which is uh, Yakuza Kiwami two, and that game's incredible. Um, I, uh, I've been keeping a spreadsheet of my Yakuza game playing because I'm me, and of course I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, like two evenings that I took off, I've played those games every single night for like five or six weeks straight. And I've played, I'm, up, I'm over 80 hours across the three games now. Wow. Hmm. Um, um, it's so good. It's just, it's the best thing. And after Kiwami 2, I really am going to take a break um, because Yakuza 3 did not get remade. And so it's now the oldest and clunkiest of the Yakuza games. And yeah, so after I finish the remake of two, you know, I'll, I'll give myself a breather before going on and playing the rest of the games. And I'm right. I'm, uh, oh, go ahead. No, finish. Oh, I just, I like, I'm, I'm so excited because I'm, um, I'm right now, right? Like tonight I'll get to Yakuza content I haven't played before. Hmm. Cause I played, oh, cool. I played zero and one before in part of two and now, I've, like, this whole thing, this whole 90-hour journey has been mm-hmm. like, I need to refresh myself on what's going on in these games so that I can play through the rest of them. And now I'm like, I'm finally there. I finally stopped last night at the chapter of the game where uh, I haven't seen what comes next now. Um, I was just going to mention that I'm also playing, the game I mentioned is a distraction because, uh, and, and, and I don't, I, the draw to get back to Hollow Knight is real mm. and intense. And that game is probably the longest uh, Metroid like I've ever played. It just, it's just, so I, I cannot believe yeah. how much game is in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point now where uh, I got to, I have two boss o- options and both are like way kicking my butt. So I, I went to our guide and I was looking up like, Oh, I kind of missed some areas and, and just kind of item collecting and stuff, which like, I think Metroid tells you that a little bit better. 
Um, but in this game, it's just like, I need to do one of those, those runs where you just, you have some new skills that you've gotten and you haven't pushed every single wall down, you know? And so I have to go around and just build for a little while. And I love that. It's what I look forward to in game. So I'm looking forward to doing that. All right, let's check in with the listeners. Hi. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like 14-year-old Joseph Draves in Florida did. He says, my dad and I were watching a retro documentary of games on Netflix. Uh, He challenged me to list 10 best-selling games that, quote, people would line up around the block for that did not involve shooting or killing and had to be prominent. I'm guessing things like Mario Kart, the OG Mario, etc. So my question is, can the Goose Camp counselors name 10 prominent best-selling games that didn't involve shooting, killing, or maiming? Yeah, I, I kind Tetris. of... Tetris. Tetris. We've probably talked about this before, but, like, I don't like how the primary verb in, like, almost every video game is, like, fighting and killing and overcoming someone. Like, I'm playing Yakuza, like, I don't have some, like, moral thing against it but like there's more breadth in like television shows you can watch or mm-hmm. movies you can enjoy than yeah. there is in games like obviously there's abstract puzzle games and stuff like that but by and large the industry is so violence dominated and again it's not a moral panic thing it's just like well i'd like to see some more people take a different mm-hmm. stab at like what a video game stab justin like- <laughs> <laughs> um there, there, there's a uh, there, there's an it's an era Uh, You can go back to 1980 and every popular game mainly doesn't involve shooting Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, like all all of those games are great. Like it's rare, like to have an asteroids, which is about shooting rocks. I mean, come on. Like it's, and then like, man, nineties forward though. I do. I do get why, because games um, are interactive. And so you have to have a challenge you're overcoming. And so the easiest and most natural way to do that is like, you know, it's conflict. Like, you know, there has to be some kind of conflict and like, it doesn't have to be violence, but like, I understand how we arrived at where we are. And like, you know, I don't know, it, it, it does bug me a little bit. It's like all the best selling games are always shooters. You know, they're always fighting games. Um, so would, sorry. Yeah. Get, no, basketball. Except when they're not, which is happening on from time to time. I mean, Animal Crossing New Horizons comes to mind immediately. But mm-hmm. uh, yep. I think the answer is we could we could name ten, but that doesn't mean there's enough <laughs> games that think outside that box. There are ten, yeah, I, but that's not that many. You know, <laughs> does eating count? I just, I just don't know. Like <laughs> are you not eating people? What about yeah, ghosts? they're already dead, Sam. Eating, Do ghosts have rights? Ghosts. You know what? I did an interview with Toru Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man, and he clarified that the ghosts are not dead things. They're not. They're not Western-style ghosts. Mm. They're oh. ghosts. They're that yokai. Are, yeah, they're ever-present, like spirit ghosts. So they're just a different type of entity, living entity. Oh. I, I would say they're not dead. Then Good I would say Pac-Man counts as. Physically dominating your opponent, yeah. I don't think we could use Pac-Man, but Tetris. Yeah. If it weren't for the the, and then I also interviewed the creator of Tetris about what Tetris would actually be it's about. It's dark as heck. It's violent. No, this, yeah, he's this, Russian. What do you expect? Yeah, no, he, he had a. He, he's like, if I had to ascribe a story to Tetris, I would say that it's about uh, testing for intelligent life on another planet, and it's like a a thing that we sent that a space, you know, um, NASA or whatever would send out and, and, and test for intelligent life on a planet. That was his explanation for what Tetris is. Cool. I would say in terms of like <laughs> games that people literally line up around the block for, you know, it's like Madden and sports games, right? Madden, like, Madden and, know, FIFA, and FIFA, right? 
mm-hmm. are like these huge worldwide phenomena. And like, you know, obviously Mario Kart and those other games are massive too, but like, I don't think there's midnight long launches for them in the way there is for like NBA 2K. I don't know. In the most recent NPD uh, from March, Mario Kart 8 was number six in the top 10 best selling games. So can't stop, won't stop. Wow. Beat games had a big moment, you know, Beat back games? in the day. Yeah, like Dance Guitar Dance Hero? Revolution, yeah, 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 Guitar yeah. Hero, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guitar for sure. Hero is a good example. I was going to say Minecraft, but isn't there like, don't you like hack away at zombies in that game? You kind of have killing. to kill pretty frequently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that doesn't count. Every night, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this one had its moment, it passed, but Wii Sports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, that's another true. like just sports thing. But what about I think, po- you, Pokemon? I think you have to kill every night is a really good Misfit song <laughs> title. I just want to throw in that thing. Be good. You have to yeah. kill every night. Pokemon is, you know, family friendly and like very mm-hmm. G-rated, but is still ultimately like combat based. It's yeah, it's but... dog fighting. <laughs> it's yeah. Basically dog fighting. Uh so I mentioned Animal Crossing. That counts. Mm-hmm. There's Nintendo dogs. Not I guess not super prominent anymore. Sim and City. I don't know if I was, that rises I, to the level. I was going to say the Sims. Sims. The Sims. Oh, the Sims definitely. Yeah. yeah both, for sure. yeah. Huge cultural moments too. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Okay, moving on. This is Joel Hartzell, and he says, Sam, some thoughts on pinball. I grew up in bowling alleys and arcades, sort of always thinking about, I thought pinball was boring. As I've gotten yeah. older, I've grown to liking the concept a lot. I decided to pick up a game called Demon's Tilt, a pinball roguelike. Uh, Damon inserts himself here. Demon's Tilt isn't a roguelike. Wondered if you'd ever no. played and if you like it. If my memory serves me right, I think you said you were not a huge roguelike fan. But if you do like this game, I wondered if you had any thoughts on how to expound on this blended genre and make it cooler than it already is, or just have thoughts on the game in general. If you haven't played it, you definitely should. Sam, what are your general thoughts on video pinball? What are your thoughts on it, Damon? I, and I think Justin as well, I, I, I can be a big fan of it if it's done well, and I'm a big fan of Demon's Tilt. Joel, you should have... Oh, you have played it, okay. Email at me. This game is amazing. Oh, so this this B roll just answered the question for me. Demon's Tilt is the newer one, the modern one that's spiritual successor to Devil's Crush and Alien Crush. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's, I haven't played it, but this is very much a Justin game. This might uh-huh. be the best video game pinball video pinball game I've ever played. It's uh, this, there's what about there's what about okay. pinball for uh, uh, Galactic Pinball for Virtual Boy Damon, which you played? Uh, I dare say this is better. Mm. I'm such a Sega kid. I'm probably brainwashed. Where does Sonic Spinball fall? I actually realm? kind of like Sonic Spinball. Yeah, it's the best I Sonic. Like it too. Okay. Sonic Spinball is terrible. I, I've heard some pinball fans say that it's a terrible pinball game, but I really enjoyed it. Um, what Demons Till? And again, I haven't played it, but just like based on the reason it appeals to me is that it really seems to get that what makes digital pinball interesting is when it does things that can't be done on a physical yeah. game with like yeah. the bullet hell dodging and yeah. like those sorts of segments. Of the like, opposite of NES pinball. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't try to exactly recreate what a physical pinball table can do, but like lean into the fact that um, you know you are digital. And, um, and yeah. you know, although I don't like the Zen Pinball physics engine, that's something that the Zen Pinball tables do in an interesting way sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there is no replacement for uh, the actual feeling of playing on a real pinball machine. But just like Justin said, video pinball can do things. Like, if you laid out, if you made this table in real life, it would be as long as a football field. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's what's kind of cool about Sonic Spinball and how, how it approached pinball. Um, I really like Yoku's Island uh, yeah. Adventure. Oh, yeah. Different sort of thing. Uh, Different Express. Sort of 
Yeah, that's a really cool integration of pinball. Probably the only version I like. So I have the, I wish I could just turn my camera over and show you right now. Um, but I have the two arcade one up pinball machines here, which are mm -hmm. virtual pinball machines that I'm reviewing that um, are basically they're, they're a two thirds size pinball machine and you look down into them and then they have like two uh, clicky clacky solenoids under the buttons. So you can actually feel a little bit of force feedback mm -hmm. when you're hitting the buttons. It feels like the, the, the jolt of the flipper going up, but it's, it's two Zen ball pinball pack, Zen pinball packages in it. So yeah. if you don't like Zen pinball, then like, you know, they're doing a Williams one actually that has actual pinball machines in it. And I'm really looking forward to that because I've liked pinball arcade and then, the news and Williams stuff. I do like playing those to learn and practice pinball machines, hmm. especially if I don't have, don't have um, access to them, but they're very, very easy compared to pinball and pinball. Has so many things that, that make it hard. So like, you know, and I, I think I've said this on the show before, like I'm not personally, like I, I might play in a pinball league and all of my friends in that league and that I know through pinball all play competitively and aren't great, but uh, that's not why I play pinball. I really play pinball because I like the aesthetics of it and it's, hmm. It's interesting, and I like fixing. That's what I like doing. I like taking them apart. I like restoring them. That's what that I, that's my favorite part about it. I like the mechanical nature of it. So, for me, like the virtual part takes out all of that. It doesn't have the uh, artifact part of it, which is like, look at this game that was screen printed in 1977 with space art. Like mm -hmm. that is the coolest thing in the world to me. I love the physical object of pinball for that reason. And then I, of course, I of course love just marveling at the mechanics of it and how things are working. And I, I just want to, I just want to take off the glass and open it up. That that's like my primary drive when I see a pinball machine that I don't know how it works. I'm just super interested in that. So there was a, there was a big digital, digital pinball dust up a couple mm. of years ago, Damon. I don't know if you know this, um, where you know Sam name dropped them. There's this company, and that's the name of their their app and game too. Is called Pinball Arcade, mm -hmm. and they had really, really lovingly recreated digital versions of you know all the classic physical pinball tables and um, Bally and they, Stern uh, yep, every, and Williams and Mid yeah. uh, everything, even Sega. Um, and yep. then they and I think maybe Capcom as well. Data East, um, yeah, Data East, and then. And then they lost the rights to almost all of them. Like they still have a few. They're still in business. You can still buy Stern tables. Yeah, there's a and, Stern pinball arcade. And now all the Bally's and Williams, uh, if you want to buy a digital version of those pinball tables, you buy them through Zen Pinball instead. And um, I don't think I'm an elitist about very much, but I, like Zen Pinball is a way, way worse physics engine. It doesn't hmm. feel real. Like the ball bounces around in unnatural ways, and I don't think it feels very good at all. I don't like it. Um, uh, and it's like it's like a shame. Like it's like such a downgrade from like what Pinball Arcade offered, which I think was a much more the ball moved around the table in a way that felt more like what would actually happen in hmm. real life. Um, and uh, and I spent when they announced that like they were losing the license, like. You had a month or whatever to buy the tables before yeah, they went away. Yeah, I grabbed them all. I, I grabbed them all, and I'm so glad I did. Mm -hmm. um, and I still, I still, it's actually they're still loaded onto my iPad, and um, and I'm really, really glad that I did that. Man, if you want to find out if your TV has lag, try that. <laughs> try yeah. pinball. Like you will be so bad because the the precision angle, uh, even in virtual pinball, is like so sp specific that like every shot will be wrong. Man, um, who knew video pinball is so controversial? 
Well, and I do. I want to clarify that, like, I am a fan of Zen Penball's original tables, but I don't think their physics engine is up to snuff to like recreate like these classic tables that someone's played a thousand times. If you try to play it in Zen, you're gonna be like, this doesn't feel right. Whereas yeah. Pinball Arcade is much closer to the real thing. Yeah, I'll reserve my criticism of what I'm playing right now because it's really my introductory uh, experience with Zen Pinball for for my review. Um, but Zen Pinball also goes back forever. So like, if you play an older you know, a machine that they have, like, like they have like X-Men games from like 2008, yep. you know? And yeah. it's like that came out on Xbox 360, but early and like they, they don't, you know, they don't, they didn't ever scale them up or anything. So those are issues are kind of strange to play. Have they ever done like a, the incredible machine or an RPG maker with pinballs where you design your own board and the you know, earliest really popular game is called uh, for pinball is called like the pinball factory or something that everybody oh, cool. loves. I, right, I won't do it justice, but no like brain. Jared always talks about it and it was like an early <laughs> physics. It's like a, re- a good example of a physics based game. You can put stuff together. In. Yep. Great idea. I mean, like, yeah, I think that's really awesome. cool. And people make pinball in games like Minecraft, right. And like stuff like that. That's, that's always really impressive. Yeah. yeah. And then the game that you just showed Damon looks fantastic. Why is it not a roguelike? It's just not. It just isn't. It's just, you know, pinball. It doesn't shuffle anything. Okay. Yeah. That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Jordan Gibson, who is celebrating a birthday this Sunday, 25th. Happy birthday, Jordan. HPD, Jay. Damon, I I just remembered uh, the writer that wrote in and said he was 14. Yeah. At what age do you stop putting... Like, I can't write in somewhere and say Justin Davis, age 36. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Is it when you're 18? Maybe. Probably, maybe. I would say 16. Is I, like, I was, my gut said 16 when you asked the question, yeah. I would say when you can apply for jobs, so 16, because it's illegal to consider people based on their age. Yeah. So don't put that on your application. Even age 15, like so-and-so age 15, it's like, I don't need to know that anymore. Most, 15 is the limit. Most people don't put their age unless they're like, I'm an older gamer, I'm 47, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't put their I'm, age in their email, but... I'm going to start saying Justin Davis, age 30, you know, 36. That's what I'm going to start doing. And just mumble and trail off. Sure. Yeah. Good move. Age 30. Age 30. I can take that on. I can do that. (laughs) Anyway, let the questioning begin. No, I'm sorry. I interrupted you and I, we, I cut you off mid, mid like letter mid. You were saying, wasn't there a statement from the person who. Yeah. might be a clue. No, it's just their birthday. They're just having a birthday. That's it. Oh, oh. oh Probably not okay. a clue. Okay. So the but meta. I want to bring up something that I learned the hard way last time I was on, which is we should be thinking about what the A story in this episode was. Yeah. It may yeah. or may not bear on yeah. the answer. That's Just really psyched that us out. There. Subsequent episodes, Michael. I got to say, we haven't won in a long time. Oh, yeah. Had that helpful bit of information. I was going to say, I feel like I missed something because you and Tina have been rambling on and on about that. Now. Oh, like, there you go. We're like, that's the key. That's the key to the questions. Yeah. yeah, that's the key to us losing repeatedly. And it's because Damon got in our heads instead of us getting in his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, I, there's many, many 20 questions victories where I'm imagining would Damon have picked this game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now like, now I just overthink it. It's like, well, he would pick yep. this because of this and he'd pick this. Yeah. There's so many options. Yep. So now Michael Swain, know. we're going to give you, you're, we're going to give you the first 19 questions. What we're saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the first one. Uh, is this the sort of game you're likely to find listed on super potatoes, eBay store? No. 
Okay, okay, okay. Uh, was this game initially released, first released after 2010, after January 1st, 2010? Yes. Did this come out as a digital release? Yes. I meant that only, and now I realize I get screwed up. But I took it, it as released digital only. Okay. Damon, did you take it as digital only? Um, well, just remember, like, there isn't much that's digital only anymore, thanks to all. Yeah. There's very there's a lot of limited run. Yeah, stuff. that's that, that's so. fair. But this was released okay. primarily digitally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on theme uh, of our previous discussion, do you mostly kill stuff in this game? Yes. Okay. Is, is this an independent game? Yes, that's five. Uh, is this game downloadable on the Nintendo Switch eShop? Yes. I might get this one. So wait, so uh, killing stuff game? indie game on Switch since 2010. Movies. Is this game a uh, multiplayer? No, it's not Killer Queen. Was this a, a well-received game? Yes, award-winning even. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be like a Hades. Yeah, I was still like, like even Yoku's Island Express. The main thing you're doing is yeah. killing stuff in that Killed game. Kill the crap <laughs> out of stuff in that game. Could it be a port? Or I'm trying to do the logic math. Yeah, it could be a port. I mean, like it came it out could in 2010 still in or later. Theory be Witcher Three or something like that. Is it? Um, is it exclusive to the Nintendo Switch? That's what I'm groping for. Thank you, Justin. No. Does it have voice acting? No. That's ten. Mm. <laughs> what a weird but good question. It, that that only works once you get to it, old games or indie games, right? Because indie games might not have expended on that. Um, does it have a retro styled graphics? Yes. I'm asking my cohorts now. Was mm. Castle Crashers ever come to Switch? Casual Crashers a potential? I don't think so. I, I think, don't think that's retro style graphics either. I think that's pretty okay. contemporary. Yeah, yeah. It's just drawn graphics. This this no. this might be a game that's like um like one of those ninja games that Damon likes that I know, don't know the names of, something like that or <laughs> Messenger was yeah, good. Like, yeah, the Messenger and Mark of the Ninja. Although that doesn't have retro style graphics either. Messenger does, right? Yeah. You kill. Yes, it does. So on the switch. Um, I don't know enough. I don't. I don't. It's like we got a lot. Well, like how about of... platformies versus killing just sure. on a yeah. roguelike right. setting? Is this a platformer? You do a lot of platforming. So it could be like Celeste or Dead Cells or. I mean, we can ask yeah. if it's a roguelike. In Celeste, do you kill or do you just survive climbing the I have mountain? no idea. I think you don't kill stuff, you just collect oh, strawberries. You don't. Maybe you don't kill anything in that game, but you do die a lot. You kill. You kill. <laughs> you kill yeah, you die. There's yeah. killing. <laughs> Have we mentioned the game already? No. Aww. How many times can we ask that? <laughs> Platformies. <laughs> Platformies that's on the Switch, but on other platforms as well. Spelunky Two. Olia. No, that only came to PS4. Is PS4. it a? Is it a? Is it a roguelike or have roguelike elements? Yes. Okay. Okay. So Has... but it's not dead cells because we mentioned it. It's not what? It's not dead cells because we mentioned that. And we've okay. mentioned Hades. 
and we mentioned Hades and Dead. That there's no platform using that. So, so yeah, just, it, it could be. It could totally be Splunky. What's Splunky's situation on the Switch? I think Splunky Two is just on the Switch. I don't yeah, remember, but not exclusive is. to. It would fit the bill, I think. I think the original also probably came out before 2010. It's on PS5 for sure. I thought it was a PS5 exclusive. I think Splunky Two's on the Switch. Or PS. I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. You've shaken my faith, but I thought it was. <laughs> it's definitely on PC, right? I don't know what other R- right. roguelike-y, roguelike-y platformy games there are. Darkest, no, Darkest Dungeons, no platforming. Same with Slay the Spire. Platform. What about, uh, hmm. what about that one where you're always reincarnated and you come back as it, your... Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy, and, and that doesn't have retro graphics. No, no, it does. It kind of has 16-bit-ish graphics, right? Just-ish. And, and, and they made a sequel. There's Rogue Legacy 2 as well. And do you platform no. in Rogue Legacy? Because I'm... Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're okay. jumping around. It's It's... Yeah. So but between think, that and Spelunky, you use a whip for... No, there's other weapons too, right? Yeah. There's guns. Um, so how do we make the determination based on setting or weapons? Is this, does Spelunky take place Could it also be a SteamWorld game? Or a, no, no. Those yeah, are it could be SteamWorld. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which um, is good. That takes out SteamWorld. That takes out a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of those. Platforming two. roguelikes should give it to us. I feel. Yeah, I, I think Rogue Legacy and Spelunky are like the big ones. So if yeah. it's if it's a smaller one, it'd be hard for us to get. I don't. Know I want to ask again I mean, if we've mentioned it yet, but I won't. I can at like you know Derek, you made made Spelunky, so we could ask if it's a Derek U game. Well, um, well, I mean to narrow it too, we could. Um, I just, I just would like to do it in a more creative way. Spelunky takes yeah. place in the modern era, right? It well, what's a creative way to do it? I think that uh, might be arguable. No, okay. I guess it does. Well, you're on the moon. In you Spelunky got shotguns. <laughs> That's true. Does, does this, this take? Well, we ahead. could say in the past. To fit, does this is this a is this a you know a game set in the castles and dragons era? Yes. Yeah. That's fifteen. Okay. So okay. it's probably Rogue Legacy. Do you play as multiple generations of a uh, knight that's trying to... I don't remember the plot of that game. <laughs> yeah. You, you, that then, is accurate, die, though. That's the one thing I remember go, about it. You go back to your homestead, and then you play as the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Do you play game? as multiple generations? Yeah, Damon, do you that? Yes. Okay. Is it the first in the series? Yes. Okay. Then it's Ro- Is this Rogue Legacy? It sure is. Rogue wow, Legacy. Wow, sorry it took us so long. No, you got there. Well, no, nope. there it is. No Maybe connection to the main story. Nothing. Our producer Mariah knew the whole time. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Betrayal. Um, no, so she's Dan- that fast at putting together B-roll. That's what's really impressive. <laughs> yeah. It's challenging. Damon, the sequel was in early access. It's, yeah, it's only it's only on PC. No other platforms have been announced. Hmm. Yeah. It's frustrating. And I. I but like I feel like we talked about it on the show like a year ago, and so maybe it's worth checking in on it to be like, oh, if they added mm. new, you know, new gameplay mechanics and new yeah. worlds and map tile types and all that stuff. I got I way into it. this. I like how it's based on the cardinal directions. So I really learned east and south and west or, or whatever. Or I don't remember. If it was <laughs> north west, still gives you trouble. North was so difficult. It was like an attic. It's like yeah. up, and it, I think it was the hard area. I think that I think it actually works out that way in the game. Uh, I love that game. Splunky Two and the original Splunky are coming to Switch this summer. Not there yet. Nice. What a great match for that system. Yeah, that's perfect. 
Cool. Nicely job. Thank you for the suggestion, yeah. cool. Jordan Gibson. Happy birthday again. And I think that's about all the scoops that we have for you this week. Swaim, thank you for sitting in. Always a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you to Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank, thank you to you. Ryan working behind the scenes. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.